It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, the pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday morning service on May 2nd. And the title of this talk is, What's the Point? In today's talk, I'm going to be kind of laying a theological foundation uh, that will really kind of help guide us into some things that we're going to be discussing in the next few weeks. So as talks go, this one's fairly important in the life of our church. So thanks for listening. Also, we're going to have some resources on the web this week, northshorevineyard.org, where you can find daily readings and reflections that kind of tie into some of the topics that we're going to be discussing on today's podcast. So check that out. Those will be available Monday through Friday during the week. And uh, don't forget, we have a worship night coming up this Friday night in downtown Covington at 7 o'clock. So if you can make it out to that, we'd love to see you there. All right. Here we go. We didn't have a whole lot of people back here in January when I announced my New Year's resolution. But just a little recap. You can always go online and, and listen to the messages from back then if you want to get the whole story. But I, I, I encouraged everybody in here to to kind of um, not make your typical New Year's resolution, but to think of this year more in narrative terms. And think of like a good movie. What's a good scene from a movie, a good climactic scene from a movie? And kind of think of your life in that way instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to quit smoking or, you know, quit cussing or whatever it is you wanted to quit this year. Um, <clears throat> quit being mean to cats. Uh, I'm wishing my kids would, would use that as a, one of their resolutions. But so to kind of imagine a scene that you wanted to kind of work towards, kind of as a narrative. And so the scene that I chose for my resolution was that I would have some folks over for dinner at our little place in Abita Springs, and, and they'd be sitting hanging out in my living room, and I'd bring out a bowl of salsa. But it's not paste picante sauce. This is the stuff that is made from the tomatoes, jalapeno peppers, and onions, and cilantro that I've grown in my own garden. So in order to get to that place, I had to garden. I've never gardened before. And so I, I announced back in January that every few weeks I would give updates on my progresses as, as a gardener. So I did some little research and development. We showed that video, you know, a while back. And then I showed the planting of our seeds a few weeks ago. And I think, you know, I've heard some mumblings, nobody directly, but I've heard, you know, Dana said, you know, some people are thinking that you're not doing this gardening thing anymore because they haven't seen a video. So uh, I prepared a little video today. This is, this is a time lapse. I was, me and Tevia, we went out in the back where we did the garden, and she uh, used my iPhone to uh, take 150 pictures, and we've linked them together as a, as a film. So here it is. My trusty helper there, Ezra. Something is shining like gold. 
it's like all of a sudden like plants appeared uh we missed a little bit in the time lapse and i know that that time lapse kind of makes you feel a little drunk the way we edited it but it's kind of uh tevia was you know trying to keep the camera still but you know so it, it, it's kind of does anybody have a woozy feeling in here okay if we sh if we showed it like on an I imax you, you'd probably feel woozy but there's a little bit of time lapse that we missed in there, like the six weeks since we actually did that square thing. And um, I actually had to end up adding about twice the amount of dirt that I had initially added in that video. But I, I am actually gardening. So it, and you might you might think that that last slide there is kind of a, a picture of success, but it's not right, because success for me is going to be that bowl of salsa. There's no fruit, right? And so the question that, that uh, today that I want to ask is why, why fruit in the Christian life? Uh, we're going to look a lot at the, at the fifth chapter of Galatians today, but if you didn't bring your Bible, no worries because we've, we're going to have it up on the screen for the most part. But Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the Apostle Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There's new law, no law. Now, why, why does fruit matter in the Christian life? Is there a bird in here? Is it just outside? Okay. It sounds awful close. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, that's right. Yeah, I was trying, trying to get, get in on that action. Uh, why do we need fruit in our Christian life? Why is that a point? You know, I, I started this year. I said that our our foundational series of this church, and, and it's kind of even written there on your bulletin that you got today. It says, North Shore Vineyard, Life Connected. And kind of the, the underlying foundation that I wanted to do this year, because I, here I am, I'm doing gardening, and I'm doing what they call church planning. You know, what I'm doing right now, I'm pastoring, but it's really called church planning. And, and it's really a lot like getting a garden started. And this is a scary thing because I've never done a garden or planted a church. And the object of both gardening and church planting, in a sense, the purpose is fruit. And so what we're trying to do here, just like gardening, is you know a lot of what we're doing here on the weekends. We're pulling up weeds. We're getting the soil right. We're trying to create a hospitable environment for life to flourish. So, but the point is that you'd have fruit. So why, why the heck is fruit important? Don't answer it yet. Just think about it. Yeah, Floyd, Floyd's ready to jump up and answer anytime you ask anything. But you know, the way that you answer the question, why fruit, is going to tell me a lot about your theology. Now, some of you may be thinking, I don't have any theology. How many of you use the word theology in your, your daily life? You know, I, I, don't, I don't suspect there's many of you standing around the water cooler. So, Joe, tell me about, how's that theology of yours coming, you know? Uh, but, you know, everybody has a theology. What's a theology? Uh, well, there was this, this brilliant band in the 90s called Dishwalla. Anybody remember them? Yeah, well, you remember them. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. Charlie Brown's parents? See, you remember more about them than I do. Uh, th their big hit was... Counting blue cars, and, and the chorus goes, tell me all your thoughts on God. Well, basically, that's theology, your thoughts, your, your, theots, your thoughts on God. And so everybody has thoughts on God, right? Even if you're an atheist, you have thoughts on God. So everybody has a theology. Now, in my opinion, 
certain theologies are better than other theologies because, uh, you know, I think the truest, you know, the, the best theology we can get is, is, you know, by kind of looking at the narrative of Scripture and kind of figuring out a, a logical way of thinking about God and, and approaching the spiritual life. But how you answer the question of why fruit is important in your spiritual life, that's really a theological question, which I will try to answer from what I think is a good theological perspective today. But today's going to be kind of like a, an episode of Lost. Anybody like watching Lost? Yeah. It's going to be kind of like Lost, except not nearly as cool. <laughs> but hopefully a little bit less confusing. Hopefully you'll walk out of here knowing something. But we're going to be looking at the, chap- the fifth chapter of Galatians today. But like an episode of Lost, we started in the middle. Now we're going to go to the beginning of it, and then we're going to get to the end of it. Okay? So it, it, we're going all over the place. But Galatians 5... Starting in the first verse, and we have this up on the screen here. Christ, and I'm reading, this is the message translation of it. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Verse 13, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a life, to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man. We come, and what is that? When it also says, and the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to us, but it actually leads to death. What's one way that seems right to us that leads to death? Selfishness. Selfishness seems right to us, doesn't it? I mean, you don't even have to think about it. It's the water we swim in. Like, we just come by it naturally. It seemed good to me to do this. Not only does it come naturally to us, but everything in our world tells us that, you know, we're the center of the universe kind of, doesn't it? Just think about technology for a minute. Anybody like reading books? I'm I'm an Amazon.com junkie. Like, I started... One of my resolutions for the next two weeks is to finish the 10 books that I started two weeks ago. I, I have this habit of starting like, oh, that's a great book. I need to start that. And none of them are related. They're like all over the place. And, uh, but the cool thing that, that Amazon.com developed a few years ago is when I log on to Amazon.com now, it says Crispin Schroeder's Amazon.com. Like there's the like Amazon.com for everybody in the whole world, but then there's Crispin's Amazon.com. And when I click on that, it's got books just for me, just just for me. Like they've they figured out like what I order, the kind of stuff I like, and they're like, oh, we think you would like this. Wow, my own book, my own online books. Like somebody was caring enough to think about me. And then I go over to iTunes, and iTunes got this thing that came out with about a year ago called genius and you click on genius and then it it looks at all the stuff you're listening to and it says ah we got some albums you need to try so there's your own personalized playlist your own personalized recommendations so it's like i got my own bookstore online my own music store and now has anybody ever used this program called pandora oh yeah well pandora it's even worse 
Talk about narcissistic. It, it, you, you, you feed it. You, you start off with like one or two songs, and then it just tells you to kind of vote, like your own little American Idol, you know, and kind of vote. And then, then after a while, it's just a radio station that f- exists for no other person purpose than to please you. Because you matter. You're the center of the universe. I mean... How many people could have thought 50 years ago that at one point that our culture would reach this pinnacle of culture that where, where we would have individual radio stations and bookstores? Like, kind of crazy, huh? I, I saw a real good example of this the other day. Thursday, I had, ma- I had made plans to, to go to Jazz Fest on Thursday. And, and understand, this is how I approach Jazz Fest. I love going to Jazz Fest. And uh, I love the food, I love the music, I love the whole experience. I, I even don't mind getting muddy and, and all that stuff. And um, so I, I figured I was going to try to make it to Jazz Fest one of the days while it was going on. And so I looked at the weather and stuff and, and the bands, and I finally figured Thursday's the day that I want to go because there'd be not as many people out there. The weather was like the absolute best day of, of Jazz Fest. And, and so I went online and I printed out my own personalized schedule because it's about me, right? And uh, and uh, I'd even put on Facebook, I was like, you know, what's your favorite Jazz Fest food? You know, because I had my favorites, but I was like, is there anything I'm missing here that I need to? So I was scheduling my food, my music, the whole day. I had it all mapped out. And then Wednesday night, you know, right after I got it all mapped out, I got sick. You know, I got a sore throat. Wake up the next morning, I got fever, sore throat. So I ended up at home all day Thursday. Instead of going to Jazz Fest, I was sick. And so my day was kind of spent between sleeping and watching daytime TV. And I don't get to watch a lot of daytime TV. And wow, I'm really missing something. And um, I, I caught an episode of Oprah on Thursday. Did anybody watch Oprah on Thursday? Any likes? Okay. Um, I didn't realize it, it, it certainly happened to be a big deal. It, it was the day that she interviewed Riley Hunter, the, the mistress of, of former presidential yeah, uh, candidate John Edwards. And... Um, I didn't realize how big a news it was until the next day. I'm watching, like, the, the morning, you know, NBC, the Today Show and stuff. Every show the next morning, it's kind of sick. You know, we got millions of gallons of oil spilling in the Gulf. Like, the great, one of the greatest potentially environmental disasters we've seen. And what's the first story they run with? This one, the next morning, you know, Oprah's interview. But in this interview, it got to one point that I thought was very interesting. She asked Riley Hunter... The, the blonde girl here, she said, um, do you think that maybe you hurt Elizabeth Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' wife? Do you, do you think maybe you hurt her and then maybe you need to apologize to her? And what was her answer? She didn't say no. She just said, well, you'd have to ask her that. <laughs> and and she, so it was a very political answer, you know, like, ah, yeah, hurt her, you know. But then she went on to say, I was just following my heart. I was just doing what seemed right to me. I mean, I loved him. I mean, it was just, I was just, it, it, it made sense to me. And, and, and then Oprah was a little bit perturbed, you could see. She says, well, well, come on, what if your freedom, what if following your heart actually hurts another person? And she said, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's love and, you know, and it was kind of, what, what ended up transpiring was kind of uh, the problem with moral relativism in our culture. You know, how do you affix right and wrong when there's no kind of standard for right and wrong? Which was kind of ironic because Oprah was getting a little perturbed, but Oprah's probably one of the biggest purveyors of, of moral relativism in our in our culture. But 
there was a way that seemed right to Miss Riley Hunter. It seemed right. It made sense to her. She was following her heart. It made perfect sense. But you know, it was selfish. It was selfishly motivated. I'm not trying to judge her. I'm just saying, I'm saying last week when I was sharing my testimony or talking about Al, Al raced sailboats, was very successful for, for over 30 years. But what did he say? He said, man, I was just completely selfish. I didn't think about any, I did nothing good for anybody else for over 30 years of my life. He was following his heart. I'm a big, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of following your heart, but that only works if you're submitted to God, okay? Following your heart apart from God, bad news. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. It's destruction. You die. That's what Paul is getting at here in this passage of Galatians that we're looking at. Christ has come to set you free so that you could live free. But you know what? Your freedom is not guaranteed. You know that? Your freedom is not guaranteed. God's always going to love you. His love is unconditional, but your freedom is conditional. Paul says, if you use your freedom for selfish motives, you're going to lose your freedom. If, if you take the very freedom that Christ has given you, and then you just make it all about yourself, then you're going to lose the very freedom that God gave you. And you're going to start walking down a path that's going to lead you into all kind of junk that's selfishly motivated. So I want to get back to the question. So why fruit? You know, if you, if you walk into a lot of Christian bookstores these days, you'll, you'll find the answer to why does God want the fruit of love and joy and peace and all that in your life? You'll find a lot of Christians answer this question because God wants you to know that you're loved. Because you're the point of everything that Jesus did. I've actually heard this, this reasoning quite a few times in evangelical churches. I've even said it on m- myself a few times. That if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you because he loves you that much. Well, you know what? That's true. He loves you that much. But the problem is framing that in a theology that you are the point. You're not the point. Oh, man, I'm I'm hurting somebody's feelings here. Getting mad. (laughs) You like my PowerPoint here? You are not the point. You are a point. See, we answer this question, you know, a lot of people think that following Jesus is just so that I can experience God's love as an individual, so that I can experience happiness, so that I can prosper in my finances and my health, and and I can just be a better me. That's not the point. You're not the point, you're a point. Let's look back at Galatians for a second. Galatians 5.16, Paul goes on to say, My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are antithetical. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. This is what happens when you make it all about yourself. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. 
a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious, vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And Paul says, I could go on. I could get my preach on right now, but I'll stop there. <laughs> this kind of sounds like your, your typical reality TV show, right? This is a good description. You know, parodies of community. He goes on to say, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Who wants that option? I'll take the fruit option, right? That comes not out of our self-effort. It comes out of, out of loving others the way that we've been loved by God, serving others in love. Paul is saying in this whole thing is if we take our freedom and then we turn it into selfishness, we lose our freedom. We, we find that, that we get bound up and addicted and divided and messed up. So why, again, let's, let's ask the question, why fruit? Let's look at fruit in purely biological terms, not spiritual fruit for a second. Why the heck does fruit exist in nature? Well, I'm no biologist, but I can come up with two reasons. Number one, nourishment, right? You need to eat more fruit, okay? Right? If you eat more fruit, you'll, you'll be better, right? We, we eat fruit and vegetables because... <laughs> yeah, nudging your husband. <laughs> That's right. Studies show. <laughs> uh, we eat fruit and vegetables for nourishment. That's why God created it, right? He created fruit and vegetables to, to nourish the animals. Secondly, the fruit is where the seed is, right? You eat an apple, a banana, there are seeds inside it. That's where the reproductive part of a, of a plant is. So without fruit, a plant doesn't reproduce, right? It just, the species would die off. So the very seeds of reproductiveness in that plant exist inside the fruit. I, I'm still a little puzzled at this. When, when I was planting that garden, some of the seeds that we got, my, my kids wanted me to buy watermelon seeds. And I bought watermelon seeds. And then I bring them home, and, I, and I'm looking at the package, and it says, seedless watermelons. Does that freak anybody else out? <laughs> like, where did these seeds come from? <laughs> So I, it, it just didn't strike me too odd in the store, but I'm like, where, where, do you get the, where do you get seeds for seedless watermelons? I mean, they look like seeds. Um, 
The psalmist says in Psalm 34, verse 8, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think, I think this kind of gets down to some of the purpose of fruit in our life. And understanding that the fruit isn't just about you. It's not just about you, you, you. It's not just about me experiencing God's love. Yeah, God wants us to experience his love. He wants us to experience his peace, his joy, his blessings. He wants us. But we are not the end. Fruit exists in a plant not for the sake of the plant only, but there's other purposes. So this means that if you're working in an office and you have all kinds of anxiety and people, you walk in with the fruit of the spirit of peace. All of a sudden, people taste peace. The atmosphere changes. Maybe, you know, you get together with your family members. I don't know if it's like this for anybody in here, but, you, you, you know, you get together with family, and all of a sudden, there's all kind of issues popping up and anger. And, and But you come in with the fruit of the spirit of love. All of a sudden, things change. See, God wants you, your fruit in your life, to nourish the people around you, just the way fruits and vegetables would nourish people, you know, in a physical sense, that, that they would taste. Man, I, I, love, I love it when apple season gets here. Like, I think it's in the fall, I suspect, because that's when it seems like the good apples come out. I'm not a big fan of these red, delicious things. They're just kind of like, eh. But when you get these Fuji apples or these Gala apples in the fall, Oh, man, you bite into that thing, and you, you, know, you got that crunchy texture, and you got apple juice dripping down, and it's sweet and a little tart, and it's like, ah, that's good. That's what people should taste when you get around them because you're bearing fruit. That's the point of bearing fruit is that people would taste what God is like. Problem is, People get around a lot of Christians, and they don't taste like love. (laughs) They don't taste like peace. They don't taste like joy. They taste like anger and bitterness and lust and whatever. The point of God bringing forth fruit in our life is not just about you. In fact, if you make it just about you, you ain't going to get the fruit. (laughs) If you make it just about you, the fruit is not going to happen. And, and sadly, I think that that's where a lot of Christians in America have, we've so made the gospel and the Bible about us as me as a person. God just did all this for me. I'm the point. You're not the point. You are not the center of the universe. You are not the only reason why God came. You're a reason. You know, we can go back to, to when God started his whole plan for redemption, for redeeming everything. He, he came to a guy named Abraham. And, and he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You know, a lot of Christians stop there. Yes, God wants to bless me. Awesome. But he said, I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the earth can be blessed through you. I'm not just going to bless you to show you how much I like you, Abraham. I like you. I love you. I want some more of you. Sometimes I need a little bit better filter. <laughs> Country songs. I don't know where these come from. Uh, but, but his point with, with Abraham wasn't that it would end with Abraham. Abraham wasn't the point of everything God was doing. He was a point. God was starting something with Abraham that would liberate the whole world from the curse of sin. 
think of the, the most famous scripture in the New Testament. John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That word world that's translated world in English, you know what that means in the original Greek? It means cosmos, everything that God ever created. He loved it all. Not just you. <laughs> he loved it all. And he wants to see everything he created liberated from the curse of sin and death and decay. He wants to renew it. The end of the story, we see the new heavens, new earth. We see people freed to be the way God intended them. And you know how God's going to get there? He's going to get there by changing one person to the next. The kingdom of God, just, just like, you know, just like fruit, just like plants, God wants part of the way that the kingdom of God expands is that people taste and see God's goodness. And they say, man, I don't know what it is with this dude, James. But when I get around him, man, I, 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 he's got something else. I, I want what he has. I've never seen that kind of peace before. When they get around Kim, they say, man, that, that girl loves people. It's crazy. I haven't seen people love people like that. I want that. And that, that, that people come into the kingdom of God, they experience the kingdom of God because of that. So part of what I'm covering right now, and, and understand what I've been covering for the last few months, it's theology. And hopefully it doesn't come across that way, you know, because a lot of people think theology is a very stuffy kind of thing for academics up in ivory towers and stuff but this is this is theology and this is going to lay the basis for a lot of things we're going to cover in the next few weeks you know i'm going to actually i've, I've been fighting on doing this you know because it's not my favorite thing to do because i've seen so many abuses here uh, on this subject since i've been a christian i'm going to talk about money in a few weeks some of you're like i'm never coming back to that church i knew i knew they were going to talk about money going to ask me to pull out my wallet, my checkbook. And, and no, no, I'm, I'm going to talk about it from this angle. If you are not the point, if you're a point, then how does that impact your resources? If you're going to live in that truth and that reality, if you're going to take the freedom that God has given you as an individual and continue to grow in that freedom and have fruit in your life, then how does that impact your resources? Not just your money, but your time. How does that impact your emotional availability for people? Oh, don't go there. How does that impact our mission as a church? I mean, what, what are the implications of that idea, that one little idea on what, what we're to do as a church? See, if, if we make it about us, if I'm the point, if I'm the point of all this, you know what, as a church, we'll end up as just a nice little club of people that hang out and we sing Jesus songs and we love on each other. We're like a box of puppies licking each other. <laughs> oh, it's cute, but it's not going to do anything to change the world. It's not going to do anything to affect the world around it, right? But if we realize that you and I aren't the point, but a point, then that means that, that we always got to be looking out. We always got to be looking out into the community. How can we help those on the fringes of society, those who, who have been beaten down by religion, those who don't have enough food to eat, those who are, are having all kinds of messed up situations in their own finances or in their own family? How can we connect with them? So this is, this is a very important theological idea here. And I want us to wrestle with that in the coming weeks. 
So, in conclusion this morning, why don't you guys stand up, and I'll just, I'm going to close this with a little word of prayer here. Actually, why don't we get the band back up here? We'll, we'll sing a little song here, a little, a little ditty. But I, I just want us to respond to God this morning. And, and maybe, maybe you come in here today, and how are we going to get faith back on the keyboard? <laughs> You're going to have faith? It's hard to walk around back here without crutches. No one's watching you. You'll see a YouTube clip later today. But today as we respond to God, I just, maybe you're in this place today where you've just been like, man, you know, I realize I am selfish. I think it's all about me. Well, maybe you can change, uh, you know, the direction of your heart a bit this morning. But let's just respond to God. Just uh, We're going to sing All I Have Again. Lord, this morning, God, we... Lord, we ask your forgiveness, Lord, for using the freedom that you've given us, God. Lord, in inappropriate ways, God. Lord, making this thing about us, Lord. Lord, give us the grace, the awareness in the next week, God, to, Lord, to love others. Lord, to seek the best for those around us, God. Lord, whether it's those in our family, God, our spouses, our kids, God, our co-workers, or Lord, even strangers that we meet, Lord, God, let us, let us be a taste of the kingdom of God. Lord, when people get around us, let them taste you, God. Let them taste your goodness, Lord. Let them see that you are good, Lord. Lord, bring your fruit forth in our lives, God. Lord, so that the world may know, that the world may know you, God. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you need any prayer this morning, feel free to come up here to the front and uh, be glad to pray with you.